Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, you may be seated. Last week, I posed a bit of a question that seems to be what uh, Peter was wondering when he finally went. First, he didn't believe when the women came back from the tomb and told them. And then he went for himself and saw, and it says he marveled and essentially asked, well, what if it is true? And we're going to explore that question a bit again today, but through a different lens, and that's through the lens of Thomas. What if it is true, though, for you and me, that Jesus really is risen from the dead? Now, Thomas, you might know throughout church history, has been called uh, Doubting Thomas. Some people like to call him Courageous Thomas for uh, asking the question, like, hey, I I really do want to see you, Jesus. Uh, He also does become very courageous in that uh, he is known to go to India with the gospel and is killed for it. So he, he truly believed Jesus to be risen after he did see him and touch him and behold Jesus risen. The reason I love the story of Thomas is it gives a good doorway or pathway, I think, for us to talk about our own maybe uh, misgivings or doubts or the things we have wrestled with in our own faith life that uh, may be easy to talk about but maybe not maybe very hard to talk about. And I think uh, just the story of Thomas kind of gives us an opportunity to do that. And so for me, the question isn't, have you doubted anything about God or about the scriptures or about uh, Christian faith, but what and why? So for me, it's always, uh, what have we doubted or not believed or, or struggled to believe or uh, and why because the why is almost maybe even more important than the what and then after that what next when you have a uh, and, and some of you it's before you became a Christian all, all these roadblocks of well, I don't I, I don't believe that God could exist or or if there is a God that he's uh, caring and loving or could these things really have happened that, that are said to have happened in the Bible and uh, what do we do then? Do we, do we find answers to some of those questions or do we just say uh, sounds far-fetched, no thanks because I actually think uh, in my own life doubt can be very helpful the, the right kind that is the, the, kind, that, the kind that's a, a question that leads you to look for better answers, right? Doubt actually can be the first step to a deep, deep, deep faith. And it's people like C.S. Lewis and others who have written some of the best defenses of the Christian faith because it was born out of a place, in his case, of not believing and then coming to faith as an adult and wrestling deeply with God. But there's really uh, two kinds of, of, of doubt that I think about. One is, uh, one is this, and that is just the naysayer, like, Mr. No, like no to everything. Uh, and you could tell them the sky's blue and they say no. Now, I know some personalities are um, a bit more predisposed to uh, you know, being against things. I, I get that. But just if you just say no to everything, eventually it's kind of a lazy response. You just say, oh, I don't know, I don't believe it. But you probably should have good, ant- good reasons, right? Uh, and the second kind of doubt is questioning, wonder, uh, and one that leads you to seek a better answer or an answer at all. Like, I wonder why something happens. I should find out. 
And it means that uh, doubt and belief are like two sides of the same coin. Because if you say, I doubt something to be true, you're actually saying that I, I believe something else to be true, right? If you say, I, I doubt the sky is blue, you, you believe it to be some other color or whatever. So, for instance, for me, uh, if, well, I, I doubt that the Detroit Lions will win the Super Bowl this year. Some of you, probably all of you, <laughs> join me in that doubt. Now, I, I might uh, love them, watch them, hope, have great hope. Well, I don't know what that kind of hope is, but I might have great yearnings for them to be good. But what, what is my doubt based on? Well, they have a track record that's pretty bad on a lot of levels, and then they got rid of some great players. So uh, my doubt that the Lions will win the Super Bowl this year is actually the other side of that coin is uh, I believe that they're not good enough and the evidence of a long track record of not being very good for a long time, right? Now, that's pretty easy. You don't, I don't have to convince any of you of that. I also doubt that my... Uh, that the Imes dried dog food that I scoop for my dog every day, or one of my kids does, I doubt that my dog's food tastes very good. Now, I don't need to have the experience of that to know. I have faith that it does not taste good, right? <laughs> right? I doubt that it tastes good. I have faith that it's terrible. Now, my children, on the other hand, they don't have faith. They have proof that it tastes bad. <laughs> But more serious than that, when, when that terrible thing happened to you, it probably stirred a bunch of questions like, does, does God love me? And if God loves me, why would God let this thing happen to me that's been so hard and painful? And if God is love and uh, this, he let this terrible thing happen, well, then God, maybe God really doesn't love me. And so then you end up saying, well, I, I really doubt God's love or that God really cares about me. Now, truthfully, we might not ever say any of that out loud. It just happens so subtly in our hearts. And it's usually when something painful happens to us. Or when you prayed a long time and earnestly for someone you cared about to be healed, but they died. And then you start to think, well, uh, it, Aren't we supposed to pray, and isn't prayer supposed to, to work, or doesn't God answer prayers, but this person died? To, so maybe God doesn't listen to our prayers, or maybe God just uh, doesn't answer, or we'll just do what God's going to do and not care about what we've asked. Uh, I guess I, I doubt that prayer really changes anything. Again, we might not ever say that out loud, but the way we live our lives usually is a collection of things that we believe because they impact how we live. And so if you listen to and explore what your doubts of your heart and mind are, you'll actually flip the coin, find out what you actually believe. So the first thing, uh, to kind of put it in a structure, I would say is explore your doubts. Explore when you, uh, and they're kind of hard to find sometimes, but explore what they are, what you actually believe about God. If you say, oh, I'm not going to, Pray about that. Is it because you actually believe that prayer won't do anything? Or, uh, well, God really doesn't care about this part of my life, uh, or I doubt that God really cares. Well, well why? What happened? And is, is there a way you can seek a, a better answer? Because God is love, and God does care. 
So doubt and believe. Can you, one, explore your doubts, and then you'll find out what you actually do believe? Okay, that's the first thing. But second, uh, do we seek answers? Do we seek to figure something else out? Uh, of Why? Because if Jesus is alive, then the answers to our questions change. They change a lot. And the, the answer to a lot of questions of life are different for a Christian than they are for a non-Christian. And so if Jesus really is alive, what if he is? The answers to your deepest questions change. And it really is worth wondering if Jesus really did rise. It really is worth wondering. And if, and I've said for, to many people, uh, if Jesus isn't risen from the dead, the first thing I'm doing is sleeping in next Sunday. I'm a morning person now because I have young children and I have to be. But my natural uh, makeup from God is not. So uh, late service here I come if, if I'm not a pastor and if the resurrection isn't true. But, but if it is true, there's a whole lot of things that might change about our lives. But it's for good because he's risen. So I want to read part of, I'm actually going to do it in reverse order, the story from John 20 that Scott read. Thanks for helping my voice out this morning. And I'm going to read it in the second part and then the first part. So starting at verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Don't do this, guys. Like, don't do this to me. Too soon. I, I No, I can't know. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, place my finger there, place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, that's actually Jewish code for a week, Sunday to Sunday, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, put your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Do you know, I'll come back to this uh, at the end. Do you know that you and I appear twice in this reading? know that though we are 2,000 years later, that you're in the Bible. Do you know that? Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Who's he talking about? Who's he blessing? Yeah. You and I weren't there to physically be like Thomas, but, but we have his eyewitness, and the eyewitness accounts that many uh, and many very educated, smart people say that there are reliable historical evidence that, yes, this really happened, even though it seems far-fetched, even though uh, it seems crazy that somebody, we know that dead people stay dead, but what if one person did come alive? And what if that one person was God who has come near to die on our behalf, in our place, on the cross, to reunite us and reconcile us to God? What if that did happen? And what if he is alive? The world is different. And our life is different, and we have hope. But Jesus here says he blesses everyone that's going to come after and not be able to stand in Thomas's shoes and touch the actual physical 
hands, feet inside of Jesus, but yet relying on the Holy Spirit and the eyewitness accounts, he's blessing you. Isn't that cool? And then the very next verse. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you will have life in his name. So in a matter of about two, three verses, a few sentences, you and I are in there twice. Jesus is saying, blessed are are all of you who will come later and gather uh, even on April 24th here at Zion Lutheran Church in 2022. Blessed are you that trust in Jesus. But then also, that's why John wrote this for you, for for me, that, that we would know the truth and believe that Jesus is alive for us. Okay, I'm a little ahead of myself here. Thomas. Is Thomas just a, a, a doubt, rank skeptic, like, nah, I don't believe that. He's not. He doubts something because he believes something, right? What, did, what does he believe? He believes that his eyes are reliable and what he sees, that his hands and, and ears and what, what he has observed and seen in the world is reliable and worth trusting. And that was that Friday did happen. Jesus is dead. He is buried. I saw that. And so he is doubting other people's words in deep grief that is contrary because he believes really what he has already seen. And he needs better evidence to change that. And remember, Thomas is only asking for what all the other disciples got. And when the women went back to the disciples, Luke says they didn't believe. They thought, you know, nope, they didn't believe them. So he's no different than any of the others and. and Probably weighs no different than any of us. We believe based on the Holy Spirit and good evidence. And that's the same with Thomas. Now, about that, uh, I keep thinking of, uh, what's the movie? Nacho Libre. One of the characters, uh, the wrestling characters, famously says, "I I don't believe in God, I believe in science. You ever heard that? And it's kind of taken on its life, life of its own. But uh, I've had you know, friends and acquaintances say, well, I believe in science. What does that mean? And in the movie, they just put it straightforward. I, I don't believe in God. I believe in science. As if they're opposed. Well, do you know that a number of great scientists actually believe in the resurrection of Jesus? And one wrote about an article a number of years ago. And... Uh, fairly well-known in his field. His name is Ian Hutchinson. He's a professor at MIT, a physicist, a nuclear scientist, engineer. I can barely say those words, let alone know what they actually mean and what he does. But he wrote an article saying, and somebody's defending this and saying, uh, you know, on this weekend, I and many, dozens of other of his MIT faculty and, and many scientists around the world are celebrating the actual resurrection of Jesus. And yet many people say, well, isn't that, um, isn't that for unthinking people? How do, you, you know, how do you square that? And so he writes, he says, well, you have three options. There's three kind of possibilities about this. And he said the first you could, thing you could say is, I was brainwashed as a child. And so I believe it now. It's like, you could say that. He said, truth be told, he said, he, he said I came to faith as a 20-year-old in college exploring whether the resurrection could be true or not and was baptized as a 20-year-old. Okay, 
Put that one away. Uh, they said the second possibility would be that we could just say that the resurrection of Jesus was not a literal, physical, bodily thing, but uh, some sort of metaphorical, spiritual experience. He said some people like to say that, except that would actually be very bad dealing with the evidence of all the Gospels and all the eyewitness accounts say, no, Jesus really physically, bodily rose from the dead, and our good news is that we will too. That God remaking the world in his image when Jesus returns isn't some uh, dream or isn't some metaphor. No, it's actually physical. That's how good the good news is and that's how near God comes that our very bodies that uh, break down in this life will one day be made new and perfect. Okay, that's the second thing. What's the third thing? He says, okay, it could be not literal. He said, that's, that's not honest. Third, he says, I have to read a little bit here. He says, we really believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. So my Christian colleagues at MIT and millions of scientists worldwide somehow think that a literal miracle like the resurrection is possible. He goes on. To explain how a scientist can be a Christian is actually quite simple. Science cannot and does not disprove the resurrection. Natural science describes normal, reproducible working in the world of nature, and miracles, like the resurrection, are inherently abnormal. So it does not take a modern scientist to tell us that humans don't rise from the dead. We know that. But what if one did? Miracles, by definition, are abnormal, non-reproducible, so they can't be proven or disproven by science methods. Okay, then he says, so in the case of Jesus' resurrection, you must consider the historical evidence. And the historical evidence for the resurrection is as good as almost any event in ancient history. You can find that on the internet and, and, and read more. And I love that. Uh, somebody uh, far, far, far smarter than me is saying, look into it. There is good evidence. But then also ask the Holy Spirit to work faith in your heart as well because it's not just knowing with your head that something happened, but it's believing with your heart the good news that Jesus really has risen for you. Okay, so I've done two things today so far. One is explore your doubts. What are they? And what's, what does it mean? What do you actually believe, if we're willing to be that honest with ourselves? Uh, and then the second thing is explore the answers, which uh, Tim Keller likes to say means doubt your doubts. If you say, I doubt something, are you willing to say, well, maybe that's not true? Explore answers. And then third is the question I started with. Explore the truth of the resurrection. What if it is true? What if it is true that Jesus really is alive? What does that mean? It means a lot of things, but it means that there is no evil that will not be undone by good. It means that death is not the end. In a real, physical way. Not that you will, uh, like some other religions might teach, you'll go off into some uh, other existence or other, no, we lay bodies in the ground in the sure and certain hope of resurrection to eternal life. And it means if Jesus really is risen, that whatever evil happens today in the world, whatever injustice happens, whatever ways people have sinned against you and hurt you, Jesus will somehow make that up. 
And it may not be immediate. You and I live with grief and pain. But it will be ultimate that one day Jesus will end all evil and in some ways make up to you whatever pain you have experienced and he'll make it up in joy. One quote I love that I caught this week from a Ukrainian in a village outside of Kiev where much is destroyed, including their church. And they said, we'll celebrate Easter no matter what, no matter how much horror. If Jesus really is alive, that, that's what our hope is. It means that we'll celebrate Easter no matter what. And people are this morning. Millions are who don't have churches or homes to gather in are still gathering because Jesus being alive is better than anything else. Will you pray with me? Gracious Jesus, I thank you that you are truly risen and risen for us. I pray that you would continue to grow that hope we have in you, grow it deeper and deeper into our hearts this morning. And as we see Thomas, we thank you not only for his willingness to ask, but also his courage. And when he knows that you are risen, his life is different. Lord, did you continue to give us the joy and the hope that comes because you are alive. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, would you protect and bless your world as you created it and you care about it. And we do pray for end to wars and to violence, that you would protect vulnerable people, the people that have fled <coughs> their homes. And we pray for... All the Christians, Eastern Christians and Ukrainian Christians celebrating your resurrection today, would you grant them hope and bring peace, Lord, in your mercy. Holy Spirit, as you send your disciples out, you send us as people who are forgiven by you, filled by your Holy Spirit, and ready to share the good news that we know with others. Would you continue to do that here at Zion and throughout your, your church. Lord, in your mercy. We ask you to come near to those who are in need of healing. You know all the names and needs in our hearts and on our prayer list. Lord, names that we either speak out loud or in our hearts. We lift many people up to you now.